Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And today, those emerging generations are having, like the rest of us, to face a new normal. There's lots of new normals we're going to be getting used to over the next few years. But interestingly, this is not the first time we as a population have had to get used to a new normal. That's very, very true. In fact, I'm thinking about my own lifetime, Andrew. Back in the 1960s, when I was a young child growing up, I remember for the first time hopping to a, into an automobile mm-hmm. that had a seatbelt. These were new. Huh. Yeah. Novel they concept. They weren't mandatory yet, but, you know, Grandpa had a truck and had a seatbelt, and ooh, that's kind of cool. Um, and it was all so new that um, I distinctly remember adults in particular saying, I hate these. I will never, I will never wear these. You know, it messes up my dress and, uh-huh. you know, blah, blah, blah. Wrinkles my clothes. And, yeah. and it's kind of true. They do sometimes mess up your clothes. But, yeah. um, you know, it was just part of the deal. But then in 1968, um, they became mandatory. The, the uh. federal government said... Cars must have seatbelts. Now, the original ones were the ones without the strap across your chest. It uh-huh. was just a lap Just a belt. belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it was both. But um, here's the reason I bring this up is I remember people saying, I will never get used to this. I will never wear these normally. Just like I'm hearing today with masks or with shaking hands and, you know, do the elbow tap or uh-huh. whatever. Uh, isn't this true? The terms we hear most often right now are new normal and pivot. Are those not the words yep. of the hour yep. that we hear? Well, in 1968, we pivoted. And even though people said, I'll never wear these, I'll never get used to these, we got used to them. Yeah. Those same people are putting on their seatbelts without even thinking about it these days. Yeah. So 50 years ago, we got used to a new normal and it all worked out just fine. And I think the research would say the seatbelts have actually helped save lives. Yeah, that's so true. And and just like back then, I think today, we're going to be adjusting to a lot of new normals. Yeah, Masks feel weird. The social interactions that we're in part of feel weird. Um, but it won't always be that way, right? Yeah. And there'll be new normals that we'll have to adapt to, honestly, but there's, there's no generation that's going to have to adapt to more new normals than the youngest no generation. And yeah. I wonder if you could talk us through, sure. what, uh, there's no way to predict fully maybe everything that they're going to have to get used to, but what are some of the things that we're talking about? Well, first of all, think about these kids that are growing up today in America and really all over the world have seen COVID-19 affecting America's view of health and safety, jobs and employment and the expectation for employment and then socialization and screens yeah most of what they do now is on a screen it was before but it was their choice now it's not even their choice so what we've looked at when we've looked at the data is three big items and i'll just do these rapidly this is not the meat and potatoes of what we're sharing today but instead of assuming that they should simply quote, find their passion and pursue their dreams like the millennials did. Uh, Gen Z, I think they're going to know what job markets are in need and build skills to meet those needs. Yes. So instead of from inside out, it's outside in approach to employment. I think that's not all bad. They're pragmatists. Totally. And it's it, it, this p- point in particular makes me laugh because it's totally contrary to the world that I grew up in going yes. to high school in the early 2000s. It was, what are you passionate about? Yeah. What pro- you know, what do you yeah. want to solve? What? Yeah. And it's all focused on that. And the idea is you pick your passion and the job market will yeah. pivot to meet you. Yes. Now, I don't feel like that was entirely 
true yours. even yeah, from the yeah. beginning, but it is a totally different perspective. A high school kid now thinks so much differently about their career yeah. than I would have in high school in the early 2000s. No doubt. So it's a, it's a definite pivot, but yeah. we need to, and I think we need to help them see that this is actually a good approach right now. What, it really is. What yeah. job markets are in need and can you build skills? The second one I would say is <laughs> instead of texting or text messaging their bosses, which is what, Andrew, your generation introduced to the workplace. You yes. do know that, don't you? Um, Gen Z has a keen interest, the data shows, in face-to-face -face interaction. Huh. Well, you can't blame them. Yeah. They've been forced on a screen now since March of 2020, and they're going, I want to be face-to-face. -face. Um, and I think that's been deepened, as I mentioned, by the recent isolation. Uh, so while, while they may not be good at it, they want it now. We're going to have to help them get good at their EQ Absolutely. and their self-awareness and their social awareness. They're going to have an increasing desire for face-to-face -face interaction. And I love that you said, even if they're not good at it, yeah, they desire yeah. it. I think that we may have several awkward social interactions as we sort of emerge yeah. from quarantine yeah. uh, over the next few months. Yeah. And then one last quick thought. Uh, instead of assuming they must join a large company and climb some corporate ladder, Gen Z kids may find new ways to launch their own enterprises. Yeah. Uh, I build an app or, yep. uh, you know, I think the disruptions from a pandemic uh, create ripe grounds for, for uh, invention and discovery among the displaced and many of them feel displaced. So this is just some good that could come from this very, very hard COVID-19 pandemic. Absolutely. It, every generation of young people is looking to adults for uh, what do I do? How do I process this? What's going to happen next? And the reality is adults have never probably been able to fully give that to a generation yeah, of kids. Yeah. But today's generation of adults is under no yeah. illusion that we're yeah. able to give that to them. That's right. And so this may mean that the conversations we have are like the ones we're having right now, where yeah. we say, you know what? I'm not sure. This is just a new normal. I'm having to get used to along with you. And those are going to be hard conversations, but I think they're going to be helpful and real conversations yeah. as Generation Z is learning to adapt. So this is off the script, Andrew, but that won't shock you. No. I'm hearkening back to one of our habitudes, um, our images, uh, that Dorothy's way. I think Gen Z is going to find themselves in the place of Dorothy Gale in the great story called The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So if you haven't read the book, you've seen the movie, everybody. Uh, but if you remember the story, she leaves a very black and white, flat world in Kansas. Mm -hmm. That's the, the film was in black and white. Yeah. Goes to this zany, colorful world of munchkins and witches yeah. in the land of Oz. And we meet some people there, the, the, not the least of which is the wizard. She, everybody tells you, you need to find the wizard. You need to find the wizard. Go to the wizard. He'll get you. Your, your dreams will come true if you go to the wizard. Yeah. Well, if you remember, she gets to the wizard, and he, he doesn't really have many answers. He has, you know, fire and bellows of smoke, you know, whatever. I am Oz, the mm -hmm. great and powerful. And yet, if you remember, her little dog, Toto, runs over to the, the, the curtain, pulls it back, and she finds a very ordinary looking man who's pulling levers but yeah. really doesn't have a lot of power. And she says, oh, you're a bad man. And she, he says, no, I'm not a bad man. I'm just a very bad wizard. I think that's a picture of today. So when Frank Baum wrote this story, it was a commentary on what was happening in culture a century ago. It's happening again. Yeah. And Gen Z is the kid. So um, the scarecrow in this story represented the farming industry, and they were seen uh, as people without a brain. Mm -hmm. That was the, the stereotype. Yeah. And then the tin man 
who didn't have a heart was seen as corporate America, mm. the business industry that didn't have a heart. Uh, the lion in this story, according to Frank Baum, was um, William Jennings Bryant, who, mm. who Frank Baum thought should have had the courage to stand up to the wrongs that were in Washington, D.C. Mm. But if you remember the story, the wizard represented the federal government. And mm. this is not a slam on the federal government, but they didn't really have all the answers that Dorothy thought they would have. And she found out the answer was in her all the time. Mm. This is Gen Z. Yes. I'm looking to you adults, and I'm seeing you don't really have an answer. You don't have a timeline. You don't have a vaccine. You don't have a... And maybe they're going to discover that maybe I've got it in myself. And Frank Baum's message was, if we all get together, the farmers, the business people, if we all get together, maybe ordinary we can people figure this out. can figure this out. And I think that's maybe the new normal that that may be good that comes from bad during this COVID-19 pandemic. I love that. I love that. What a perfect analogy, because that is exactly where we find ourselves. And, and that's the sort of spirit that we need Gen mm -hmm. Z to catch, to go yeah. for the places that are uncertain. We that's need right. you to help that's us figure right. out the answer. And we don't have them. you yeah. got to have them. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Um, so I read a great quote from Molly Ahem. Uh, she's a freshman at the University of Rhode Island. But she was just talking as a student about the new normals. But she said, I can see some good happen. Uh, she said, because this pandemic is so widespread, it's going to impact everyone. Uh, she says, in our communities, I picture people holding the door for each other as they head into their favorite restaurants after months of isolation. Mm -hmm. So in other words, she's able to see at 18 or 19 years old, maybe some good pivots will, will happen because we were so tired of the old and now we're ready for new. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, as we were as talking about, um, you know, the ability to adapt to a new yeah. normal, you and I were talking about a story that you've yeah. come across that I just love. And I wonder if you might tell it to us because it shows a really great example of the mindset that it takes to adapt when the world ch sort of changes around you and you find yourself feeling a little irrelevant. Yeah. So right after the Great Depression and World War II, 1930 to 1945, that segment of time, lots of new normals were introduced to North America. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, a man by the name of Noah McVicker uh, owned a company called uh, Kutol Products. And Kutol Products was basically house cleaning products. Okay. But the Kroger grocery store chain approached him and said, we'd like you to make some wall cleaner. We'll sell it for you. We'll be your distribution. So he, that sounded like a good deal to him. So yeah. he comes up with this can called Katol products, and it was a, a putty-like substance that, because houses were heated by uh, coal, yes. the walls got all dirty yeah. from the, coal, the smoke going through that. Can you imagine? Yeah, some smoke people may remember house. going to grandma's house or whatever, and there being coal stains on the walls. That's yeah. right, yeah. So this putty, you could dab it against the wall, and you could clean your wall. Mm -hmm. Well, post-World War II, after Noah had started this company, houses started being cleaned with gas. Yeah. In fact, my house is a gas-heated uh, house. Now, we don't have any Katol products in our house to yeah. clean the walls. We don't need them. And that was the problem. Noah started seeing this product isn't needed anymore or less and less and less as time goes on. So by the late 40s, he's in trouble. The company is nearing bankruptcy. Oh, man. So Joe McVicker, his nephew, comes in and says, let me see if I can, uh, I can do something here. Maybe we can repurpose what we're doing. Well, Joe McVicker's sister-in-law, this is one of those friend of a friend of a friend, yeah. was a school teacher. And she said, you know, I think that my children in my class might like that Katol product to play with in our class. 
maybe we can repurpose the wall cleaner to be a toy. A toy. I'm laughing as I tell you. What a total so industry change. Yeah. yeah. So she tries it out in her class. It's a beta test of one class with 25 kids probably. And it's a hit. Yeah. And so Katol Products was repackaged as Play-Doh. Which we have heard of. We, we have heard of. In fact, yeah. it's a global brand now. It's seen all over the world. In fact, they were bought out and bought out and bought out again. But the purpose was the whole repurposing of this product. The product didn't need to go away. We just needed to find a new normal for how it can be used in the day that we're in. Absolutely. And it's such a great reminder of a truth that we have to maintain for ourselves, but also for the Gen Z kids yeah. that we lead, which is every generation has experienced hardships like yeah. this, right? Yeah. Uh, if you go back in time, you can find generation after generation. The question is not, will you experience hardships? Gen yeah. Z has already found that out. You will, right? <laughs> the question is, what do you do with the hardships that you face? And I don't know if you want to take us down memory lane uh, because yeah. Cool Toll Products was experiencing this difficulty in the midst of a generation that was experiencing difficulty. And there's been so many stories like that since. Well, yeah, we can do this in just a couple minutes. But listeners, this may be engaging for you. As I thought about the last five generations, including the one we're in today, there have been hardships and repurposing and new normals in every generation. Yeah. So the builder generation, often called the silent generation, was marked by the Great Depression and World War II, like I just mentioned. The baby boomer generation was marked by riots over race in the Vietnam War. Yes. I remember those. It was scary. 1968, I thought, I don't know if we're going to live through this year. Mm -hmm. I know I was eight years old, but... I didn't know if we'd make it, yeah. and we made it. Uh, the G Generation X uh, was marked by Watergate and fuel shortages at gas stations. I remember waiting in line as a young, you know, a teenager and a young adult thinking, oh my gosh, are we going to live? Mm -hmm. We lived. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we lived. I, yeah. I don't know why I'm going through <laughs> puberty right now. Uh, the Millennials were marked by Columbine High School. Remember yeah. that? Oh, I do. You were probably eight or nine years old, and that yeah. was just so scary. Uh, and then the 911, September 11th, and... Didn't we, some of us at least were thinking, is this going to be a new world where every day we're going to, you know, do, are we going to make it? Well, yeah. we made it. Now yeah. it's a different world. And then finally, now Gen Z is marked by protests, panic attacks, and this COVID-19 thing. They'll always remember. Remember 2020? It was such a weird year. Yeah. But, but we're going to make it. And we're going to have to convince them mm -hmm. because we've made it through the last 100 years. We're going to keep making it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've talked about the new normal we're going to uh, engage with today. There's lots of changes and shifts that are going on. Let's talk about how do we prepare them? What do we do? Um, and yeah. we want to sort of dig down deep and spend some time here. But I wonder if you could um, sort of walk us through how do we get yeah. kids ready for the correct mindset to adapt to a new normal situation? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Well, the first thing I would remind you as a leader who is listening right now is that one of our most important jobs that you may have forgotten as leaders is to prepare today's emerging adults for the harsh realities that are ahead. In other words, it's not just to do the job, make the widgets, get through the class. It's to prepare them for what's coming. Every group of parents, teachers, and coaches, and employers for that matter, yeah. their job is to get the next generation ready. They should be standing on our shoulders, taller than we are, ready for the future. Writing us, I always say this, but writing us thank you notes yeah. when they're 35 years old because they were so ready for the future. So that's the premise upon which the remaining minutes we have are built upon. Uh, they're either going to be led to angst and we have no answers because the adults didn't know, didn't have a clue what they were doing. And they might think that right now. Yeah, yeah. Or they're going to say, nope, uh, mom and dad, my teacher, my coach, my employer, my youth pastor all got me ready for this, for this new normal. 
So the story that I want to base this conversation off of at this point, Andrew, and I'd love us just to volley back and forth, is the story of Admiral James Stockdale, which we mentioned in another podcast, but it's such a great case study for us right now. Mm. So the, the, the skinny of the story, because if you've listened to us religiously, you know I've told this story before, but Jim Collins, who wrote the book Good to Great, included this story in his, in his fabulous book. I highly recommend it, by the way. But he tells the story of interviewing Admiral James Stockdale, who had survived as a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War. And by the way, he was a prisoner during most of the Vietnam War, seven full years in the Hanoi Hilton, they called it. It was atrocious. Can I just get graphic with you? So he was tortured more than once. And by the way, once when he started looking better, the Viet Cong, the North Vietnamese, wanted to put him in front of the camera to show the West, everything's fine over here. We're not being cruel to the prisoners. And he thought, oh, I don't want to be a part of this con. And so he hit him, he beat himself with a brick and he, so, he, so they wouldn't put him on camera. Because oh. so, he said, that's the truth of what's going on and I'm not going to play into your little you know, lie here. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, talk about a guy that's got grit, <laughs> yeah. my goodness. So after seven years of POW camp, he makes it out. And Jim Collins said, how did you make it out? Well, I think that's a great story. How'd you make it out of COVID-19? Same way I made it out of POW camp. Yeah. So here's what he learned. He learned the difference between optimism and hope. Mm. And that's a key discovery we're going to have to make. We always use the word optimism as a positive word. And I tend to say, I'm an optimist. Mm -hmm. But there can be a downside to optimism if it's not built on fact. Absolutely. So here's what he said. When he was asked the question, how did you make it out of the, the POW camp? He said, I confronted the brutal facts of my harsh reality day after day. That's point one. Yeah. Point two, but never lost sight of the fact that I would one day prevail. I had mm. hope. Well, that's powerful. I even yeah. hear you going, mm. Yes. Okay. So that's pretty that's powerful. The, that's the deep resonance in that's my right. soul. Yes. With Thank you truth. for doing yes. that. Thank I appreciate you. that. Mm -hmm. So then Jim Collins kind of dug deeper and said, well, then who didn't make it out? And that's when he brought up the word optimist. He said, it was the optimist that didn't make it out. And Collins was befuddled and said, what do you mean? Yeah. And he said, well, the optimists were the people who superficially said, well, by the next holiday, we're going to be out of this mess. Mm. And they weren't. The next holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, all come and go. They're not out. And he said they died of a broken heart because they kept setting themselves up for a reality that wasn't built on fact. So he said, I learned very rapidly, don't make promises you can't keep. Don't say stuff that, that you don't know is going to happen. And by the way, Andrew, I think we're guilty of this as moms and dads and teachers. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. We don't know yet. Yeah. So how do we confront the brutal facts of the harsh reality and yet never lose sight? One day we will prevail. Yes. And that's the key. So um, I think we can translate this into our, into our language today, into what we need to do today. So when we stand in front of students, we need to say, rightfully so, we don't know when this COVID-19 thing is going to be solved. We don't. Yeah. We don't. So let's prepare for anything, anything. And when we get to the other side, and we will get to the other side. Yes. This is so crucial. They need to hear caring adults say this to them. Not making it up, but, but saying this to you. Now, all this leads to two very specific terms that you and I have uncovered and talked about countless times. PTSD, which yes. we've all heard about, yes. and PTG, which is not really talked about very much. Yes. So PTSD is what 
I mean, Admiral James Stockdale would have said, yeah, many of the soldiers I fought with uh, in Vietnam had PTSD. PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. You all know that. And it's where you go through an event, a traumatic experience, and you're never the same. You are triggered. You are damaged. You are harmed. Uh, you, you go through similar sounds or sights later, and you get re-triggered again. Yes. It's just horrific. And we probably all know at least someone that went through a past war in Iraq or Afghanistan or Vietnam or, or Europe and, and has PTSD. Yes. Here's the cool thing. Only one out of five, statistically speaking, go through PTSD who go through trauma. Mm. Four out of five actually experience what psychologists call PTG. It's actually a term that became popular in the 90s, but it didn't get that popular. And when people ask me, how come we don't know about that? Bad news travels faster than good news. It's the truth, It's man. so true. Yeah. yeah. Watch the news, and it's a bunch of bad news. We care more about the one in five than the four in five, because yes. the one in five sounds so more So here's some yeah. great news, listeners. Post-traumatic growth is actually happens much more readily, and the reason it happens is those people had someone they could talk to that processed the trauma with them and saw the, the upside, yeah. saw the silver linings in the dark clouds. And maybe it wasn't even a therapist. It was just a caring adult that said, talk about what you're going through. And by the way, what they may say is, it's, not, it, it, it's bad. It sucks. You know, I mean, they yeah. may use language and that that's okay. you don't like. Yeah. It's okay. You hear them. They, they vent a little bit. And then what, what PTG research tells us is when you return to a discussion, maybe a week later, two weeks later, the effects of that emotional trauma is now down Reduced, because yeah. negative emotions fade faster than positive emotions. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So not. when you go through a negative experience, the and, and, a, and a happy, let's say one's a party that you loved and one's a really bad experience, the memories will fade, or the, I should say the emotions fade faster. From the negative experience. From the negative experience faster than the positive. So you return to the teacher or the parent, you have this conversation, but now I don't feel it as strongly, and now I can see, oh, I actually got stronger or actually see the perspective now better, or I actually have my priorities straight now. Mm. All kinds of wonderful results happen from PTG. But it was just processing, processing, processing with a caring adult that didn't have a psychology degree, but they just listened and they said, what, what do you think might happen from this? What could, what could happen? And suddenly they're drawing their own conclusions that's PTG. In other words, and this might be provocative to say, the, what I hear you saying is, the fact that Generation Z is growing up during traumatic times, if we lead them well, yep. could actually lead them to be better than if everything, everything had gone smoothly. There is no doubt in my mind this could happen. I hope we all look back in 30 years and say, "'Twas the best of times, "'twas the worst of times." <laughs> but yeah. the best overcame the worst because these kids are now 40 years old or 50 years old, and they are so strong, mm. just like my mom and dad. Your grandparent that came through the Great Depression. Oh my gosh, talk about resilience and 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 hope and Big time. faith. Oh my gosh, my mom and dad. It was a house of faith. Why? They grew up in 1930. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was hard. And, and so anyway, they could I, not I, have that perspective yes, because of what they went through. That's right. And they had a caring adult. It was it was teachers and pastors and coaches all leading them through it to get mm. to the right side. I love that. Well. In terms of how, how do we help yeah. them approach this traumatic time that we're in and walk away with post-traumatic growth yes. rather than uh, PTSD? I think you've got some insights on how to yeah, do that I'll as do, well. Yeah, I'll do this quickly, but listeners, I want you to really tune in. This is something that is fresh for me, and I am using it already. So I'm actually talking to my adult children about this. So uh, we get to the other side of a trauma, 
Uh, and the goal is an accurate memory yes. and a positive narrative. Mm. Can I say, say that, that again, again? please? Okay. Yeah. Accurate memory, so I'm not wearing rose-colored glasses saying, that was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. This was not Disneyland, okay? But a positive narrative. So again, people that went through past traumas that got to the other side stronger, it was those two things. I have a very accurate memory. Now let me tell you why accurate memory is so important. Our memories tend to be inaccurate. Uh, it's Uncle Charlie who caught that fish back in 1961. and It gets he swears, bigger every time. Yeah, it yeah. gets bigger every time we tell a story. This is, we laugh at that, but that actually happens. Yeah. Our memories reconstruct every time we think about it and tell the story. Mm. So that party you went to in college or that anniversary you had or this or that or the other, or whatever it is, bad or good, they tend to get tweaked over time. And it can be bad or good. The fish Which, can get bigger that I caught in the lake, yeah. or it can be worse based on my memory. Which is why it's important to talk about it to other people, because that's how you kind of maintain the accuracy of the and memory. It is, and here is a great example. When my sisters and I, all of us are older adults now, can I say that here, mm -hmm. older adults, uh -huh. um, when we talk about our growing up years, we all have three different memories. Mm. I have, well, let me just say this. My older sister and I, I love her to pieces, she just has a very different memory of my dad than I have. Mm. And I was able to see some great positive things, and she, not so much. Now, we had different needs. We were male and female. It was, it was a different day. So I'm not downing what she's saying. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting? Two people growing up in the same house, under the same roof, eating the same green beans, have very different memories. It's because we reconstruct them. Yes. And I happen to have a more hopeful yeah. bias and maybe mine's not, but, but I'm sure benefiting from a hopeful. Yes. So all, all I'm going to say is our memories are affected by our expectations, what she or I expected mom and dad to do, mm -hmm. uh, by our imaginations. So we imagine things in mm -hmm. our head. I still remember the imaginations we had when we were both punished and sent to our room. She had several things going on in her head that were not going yeah. on in my head. And then pre preconceived notions, so, and then finally emotions. What level of emotion, that can totally affect your memory. So I have three steps I want to recommend before we sign off. Okay. One is something I mentioned in an earlier podcast, but I so believe in it. One of the healthiest things we can do with students today, college, high school, middle school, uh, maybe even late elementary school, is to make a pro and con list from this traumatic experience. Mm. All the stuff that happened, not just pandemic, all the crazy stuff that happened in 2020. We will look back and say that was a crazy It's a year. long list. Yes, it is a long list. Let's make a pro and con list. They're automatically going to have a con list. Yeah. This was horrible. I mean, that's a teenager brain, you yeah. know. But if you make a pro, pro list, you're going to force them to go, oh, yeah, I guess actually that was, that was actually quite good. So now you're steering a narrative in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It's not false. Yep. Number two, tell stories to them of past generations that benefited from you know, the Great Depression, World War II. Uh, by the way, my dad has lived through three pandemics and can tell you about them. So he's not ruffled at all right now because he went through one in 1957, 1968, 2020. You know, it's just crazy. So tell stories. And then number three, here's key. Choose a metaphor to inform the narrative and then talk about it. Mm. Practice affirming self-talk. So the one, my favorite right now is one I've mentioned before, but I just love it. It's candles and brush fires. Both are flames. One goes out with a slightest breath. The other actually gets stronger when strong winds come. As we do this recording right now, California and Colorado are going through horrible wildfires. Northern Colorado, or excuse me, Northern California. I lived in California. Mm -hmm. It's just horrific. It is. And yeah. you know what they're thinking. 
this wind just makes it worse. Yeah. So what if we, as people, became not candles that get put out by a tiny wind, but just become brush fires through this whole thing? Now, I don't have three steps on how to be a wildfire. It's an image. It's a narrative that we yes. begin to tell ourselves. Yeah. I'm a wildfire. I'm a wildfire. Yep. I'm a wildfire. And uh, I mentioned this to you before, but I have a high school senior that just texted me and said, Dr. Tim, I'm a wildfire this year as I enter the school year. That's his narrative, and I'm thinking, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. I love that. You have a line that goes with that that I just want to say because I love it so much. The same wind that extinguishes a candle extends a brush yeah, fire. that's right. And we're all experiencing a lot of wind right now. The choice is yes. up to us as to how we're going to react to yeah, that wind. so true. Is it going to take us out or extend us? So yeah. that's great. These are the things we need to learn for ourselves, but also the things that's that we so need true. to... That's so true. It's for us too. Yeah. yeah, the things that we need to teach Gen Z. Well, thank you so much for giving us that wisdom and insight, Tim. If you're listening to this and going, this is good stuff, I want to go deeper. All of the stuff we just talked about is in Tim's brand new book, The Pandemic Population. Uh, he spent his time in quarantine cranking <laughs> yeah. out a book. It's <laughs> yeah. not a super long one, but it is very, very practical and very, very helpful. It's all about the mindset that Generation Z may face during this pandemic and how we are going to lead them uh, in a positive way on the other side. In fact, the subtitle is How to Help Gen Z Rediscover Hope After the Coronavirus, and it's exactly what we want to do. If you want to uh, pick up that book, go to pandemicpopulation.com. You can get it there. In fact, I encourage you, if you're leading an organization, get a copy for all the folks in your organization. We yeah. all need to be thinking about these things during this time so that we make sure we're leading Gen Z well. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That gets the word out about what we're doing. I also encourage you to share this podcast if it was helpful. Share it with somebody uh, who you think uh, it may help today. Uh, feel free to follow us on social media. We love connecting with you there. We are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then lastly, if you've got ideas for this podcast, things you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview, uh, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Well, Tim, thank you so much again for giving us some wisdom to think through today. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys as you're listening to go out there and lead Gen Z into this new normal really well. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you.